You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey folks, this is Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. I just want to remind you about our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com. We have a Facebook page. We would appreciate it if you like and follow. Also, join our discussion group on Facebook called After the Shadows. We have a Twitter feed. Please follow us on Twitter. It can be found at podcast underscore from... Follow us on Instagram at From the Shadows Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. Go to the search bar of YouTube and put From the Shadows Podcast and please subscribe to that channel. We are also on the Odyssey Radio Network and we can be found there at odyssey1.com. We are still on the traditional podcatchers that everybody loves to listen to us on. We get a lot of feedback, so please rate the podcast and communicate with uh, whether you're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Google Podcasts. We're there, and we appreciate it when you leave comments for us. Well, that's all I have for you right now, folks. And thanks for being a part of the From the Shadows podcast family. So with that being said, let's get this episode started. Ladies and gentlemen... So without further delay, here is your host, Shane Grove. Hey everyone, it's Shane Grove, host of the From the Shadows podcast. We are putting together a Patreon page for From the Shadows podcast listeners. Uh, And what a Patreon page is, is uh, there's different levels of patronage that you guys can sign up for if you choose to. Uh, What it does is it helps us uh, with a little bit of uh, support from you guys. Keep doing what we're doing. Buy some new equipment. um, Make sure that we can keep everything running and sounding good or much better, let's hope. Um, but with that, there's there's lots of uh, unique gifts and rewards and merchandise that's available um, by being a Patreon, uh, including um, a special episode each month by the judge, 
um, another special episode every month by the Ozark Howler, and at least one listener ep- uh, episode um, where we take a story from one of our listeners and share it with everybody. Um, so we will have the information out about that on our Facebook pages after the shadows and the uh, from the shadows podcast page as well as our Instagram account. Um, we'll we'll tell everybody how they can find that and become a Patreon of the show. And we we certainly appreciate all the support our listeners have given us. Hey, welcome everybody to this week's episode of From the Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove. And with me as always, the super producer, Jason. How's it going tonight, Jason? Greetings. I'm doing well. And yourself? You know, I... After three straight days of overtime at the post office, I'm ready for Christmas to be over. Is it close? I hate to break it to you, but you got a little, (laughs) little bit ways, a little ways to go. Hang in there, though. Uh, You can do it. uh, Okay. Well, I encourage everybody. Please place your orders from Amazon now, (laughs) so you you can get it all delivered before Thanksgiving. So, um, so tonight. We have a have a very special guest. Um, it's a it's a gentleman that uh, and I and I found the question that he sent me, um, and I'm going to read it aloud. I'm going to read this question aloud as we introduce him, and uh, um, so I want everybody to listen. And if uh, if you guys have an answer to this question, because we're not going to discuss it, we've already discussed it. We already know the answer. We've we, we've you know, we know what's up, but I want our listeners to hear this question and chime in after you hear this episode. Um, so the question was, I hear the witching hour is at 3 a.m. My question is, does the supernatural observe daylight saving time? Thanks, Scott, which leads us to our very special guest, Scott. How are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I think you just heard me complain about Christmas not being here yet, so, you know, hey. <laughs> but uh, but as we talked before we got on air, that was a, uh, that was a great question, and uh, I've since heard an answer for it that I, I guess I can't dispute. So, uh, so thank you, Scott, for posing that question and making me aware of something so obvious that uh, um, it did deserve a little research and deserve an answer. So I hope our get, I hope our listeners uh, feel the same way. They go out and see, see just, just what happens uh, for daylight savings time and how, uh, you know, the different time zones across the world. How, how does this, does the witching hour just never stop? Is it like, is it like the song five o'clock somewhere? It's always the witching hour. Exactly. somewhere. <laughs> so, no, that, so that, that's, a, that's a good reference right there that's a good reference well you know I, 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 I've written a couple songs with the guy who wrote 5 o'clock somewhere and he always enjoys it when I send him something stupid about his song 5 o'clock because people have just hijacked that saying and so maybe I'll send him a, I'll text him tomorrow and say is it uh, it's 3am somewhere it's the witching act can we turn that into a song you know, <laughs> although I don't, Halloween there. yeah. Although I don't think we could probably win a Grammy for that one, like he has for uh, five o'clock somewhere. 
So, or the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but that's that's neither here. You, you know, we're in it for the love of the art. So, so that question then led Scott and I into some back and forth, and um, so Scott's gonna, is joining us tonight to give us some some really good, I guess for lack of a better term, paranormal, some ghost stories um, as a as an eyewitness, you know, and then that's what we like. We want to hear eyewitness testimony as to uh, you know what's going on out there. So. You know, Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got so lucky to get to experience all these super or unlucky. I don't know. <laughs> I would not call it lucky by any means. Uh, my name's Scott. I live in uh, northeastern Kentucky. I've lived in basically Kentucky and Ohio most of my life. And uh, I've... Uh, I've never been one to go searching for anything. Like when people say, "Oh, there's a house upon it. Let's go search. Let's go search for ghosts." No, not me. Um, I was always told never ask a question you don't want the answer to, and I kind of put that with, "Don't be going searching for something you don't want to know what's there." So that's, um, that's I a good rule. Thing. Never really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. You take that with, uh, like, people go, uh, nothing against anyone goes searching for Bigfoot or any other cryptids, but, or like around here, Mothman, but uh, um, if, if it happens, it happens, but you won't be finding me just going on a expedition to find Bigfoot, because I'm, I might be six foot eight, but uh, <laughs> if, if that thing's as big as they say it is, then I don't want to be anywhere near it. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, six foot eight would probably, might even be small compared to uh, what eyewitness reports are of Bigfoot Sasquatch for sure. And, oh uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I don't think I would be six foot eight and feel small. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just say. I've been on the basketball court with a couple people that made me feel small, but um, not not that small. So. <laughs> So, so when did you start having, um, you know, some serious, you know, some of these serious paranormal experiences that, um, I mean, like when I was in college, I heard stories, uh, I, I saw things that didn't make sense. Um, that's I'll, just college. I'll tell this one. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. That's just well, college I mean, for I mean, there, there, but there was there was this one dorm. It was an all girls dorm, and um, I went up there for a study session one time. And I'd heard stories that back when my parents were students there, my cousins, everybody, they always told me the same story. And when I got there, everybody else told me the same story. Of what happened? And supposedly, this girl. There's there's two versions of it. Either she got pregnant. And she was shameful for being pregnant, and she jumped off the uh, the top floor. Or there was another story that she got pregnant, and the boyfriend um, uh, they went up to like the sun deck or where whatever that is on the top floor, and he shoved her off. Uh, anyway, 
but the story, how the story goes is it, it all the, one of the things is you it's the elevator and people say they hear a um when they're walking by, they'll hear what sounds like a, a girl screaming as she's falling down. Nine stories. Well, the only experience I had with it was, and I really, I, it was more like a head scratcher to me, was the, I got on the elevator on the first, on the ground floor. And I was going to the sixth floor. And when I got to, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth floor, but when I got to that floor, the elevator opened, you felt a big gush of wind, and the elevator, the doors closed. And then it bypassed the fifth floor and went straight up to the ninth. The door opens, and you feel a gush of wind go out. And then it takes you right back down to the floor you were going. In my case, it was a six, and we got off. Now, I didn't hear anything go down. I just thought, I was like, well, something's wrong with the elevator. Um, but then I was telling people about it and they said, oh yeah, yeah, that's, I, I've had that experience too. So to me, it was a head scratcher. I, I didn't feel really cold or anything. I didn't see anything. I just felt a gust of wind come in and a gust of wind go out and I don't know where the wind came from, but it was just, it was, it was just really weird. So, um, so there was no point where you decided, you felt like, man, I'm going to jump off this elephant. Vader, no, no, no. Holy smokes! Okay, but um, and then um, nothing really happened for a while, and then I start. Um, I got a job working as a. Um, I started my career working with uh, um, these uh, companies that had like uh, group homes, and they helped with uh, people with mental disabilities and. Uh, brain injuries and development disabilities, things like that. And these businesses, I mean, they're they're out to make money. They're out to provide care to these individuals, but also they're out to make money. So when a what what they call them is uh, the individuals that live there, they call them consumers. But in this case, we'll call them individuals. And when the individual passes away. Within three days, they got somebody else moving into that room. So it's almost as bad as a hospital. And the first time I was working, I was working um, over in West Virginia. And uh, the first place I worked at was, uh, was a uh, I was a counselor for a um, a place with troubled youth. It's where where I started working, and um, there was uh they had these two giant buildings and one one was like the boys dorm one was the girls dorm and the there was 10 boys that lived upstairs and 10 boys that lived downstairs and same for the girls and the upstairs was like the less violent and the downstairs was the most violent or the more uh not so much violent but more behaviors I guess the best way to put it. And um, I was working upstairs one night, and there was this uh, guy that worked midnights, and it was one of these places where I had to stay the night. I'd work, um, I'd work three days straight, and I'd, I'd stay three nights and work three days. And 
one night I was I'd heard stories about all the ghosts in the place and I'd never saw anything. And there was this old man that uh um worked midnights and I would always stay up a little later to talk with him before I went to bed. And uh one night I was in the uh kitchen and I was cleaning dishes and I looked up into the um into the window and I see a man standing behind me, an old man with uh, bib, bib overalls on and um, hair kind of messed up, shirt kind of pulled out of his uh, overalls. And uh, I looked at him and I said, hey, Mr. Jordan, how are you? And I didn't hear anything. And I looked right at him when I said it and I saw him looking straight at me and like he was right behind me. And then when I went, um, I put my head down. I was cleaning dishes and I was finishing up. And I turned around and looked at him. It wasn't, wasn't 30 seconds. He was gone. So I was like, oh, he walked out. And as I was walking out the kitchen door into the dining area, here he comes through the front door. And I was like, how'd you do that? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I said, you were standing. You were standing right behind me. He goes, "No, what? I just walked in." He said, "I just parked my car and walked in." And I looked around. I was like, "There's no way." So um, the next morning, I go downstairs and I asked the uh, I asked one of the other counselors downstairs. I said, "Told him the exact story I told you." And he goes, "Yeah, you saw the old farmer." I said, "What?" And he goes. Used to be a farm on this land before these places were built. And he said, he said um, the old farm, the old farmer, he likes to uh, pay visits to people by standing behind them, and or it looks like he's standing behind you, and he's his uh, image is in the window. He says that happens a lot. Don't worry about it. He's not gonna bother you. I was like, okay, cool, no big deal. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I'm now, like, did you I, guys I have adult? Did you guys have adult diapers uh-huh. in that place that you could, you know, wear around in case uh-huh. the guy snuck up behind? Yeah, I'm sure there were. I never did look for them. I probably should have. Holy smokes! But um, so they tell me later on that the the main building um, there's like a wooded area with some trails that lead to the administration building. And I was told that there was a lady in white that would walk at night in full moonlight. And there was one night, um, one of the uh, female counselors, she had to go to the administration building. And she's like, I'm afraid to walk down there by myself. Will you walk with me? I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So we started walking through there. And she goes, did you hear that? And I was like, quit trying to scare me. And I don't hear anything. And she goes, no, seriously, it's like somebody's walking behind us. So I just turned around and looked, and there, there was nobody. And so I, I was like, I'll tell you what, I'm clumsy as heck, but I will walk backwards as long as you hold my hand so I know I don't fall. She's like, okay. And I walked backwards so I could prove to her there was nobody behind us. We go into the basement of the administration building. No one had ever told me that that used to be like an old state police office. 
Uh, no one had told me that there was any ghosts or anything or anything like that. And we were running, uh, she had to run the copier. And as we were running the copier, you could hear, you could hear somebody walking up and down the steps. So I was like, oh, that's the director. I'll just go up and see what she was wanting. I walk up to the steps, I get the doors open to, there's like a little dining area up there, and there's, the door was open. And when I got to about the third step, this door slammed shut. So I was like, okay, I'm thinking, man, somebody's opened, she's opened the door downstairs or something. And um, so I went to open the door, door's locked. And I see a shadow of a man walking across the dining room area. And I was like, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> so I I thought it was just the farmer. So I was like, okay, I'm going to leave him be. I'm going to go back downstairs. We're going to take care of everything. Well, we go back to the, we get back up. No more events or anything. Next day, um, I get called into the director's office. I go in and she's like, what were you doing upstairs? And I said, I made it to the door. The door slammed and that's it. I said, I never, I said, I saw a shadow of what looked like a man walking past, but I said, that's all I saw. And she said, no, you've been in this office. And I said, no, I haven't. And she goes, well, somebody has, but you're the only person we've seen go in downstairs around that time I said well I'm telling you how far I made it I said well it's a problem she uh, she started showing me pictures she had taken on her phone because she I guess she had already cleaned it up but her whole office was completely a wreck like someone had just gone in there and thrown papers like they like someone had was looking for something you know breaking in and entering and um her computers were um, the the screen. Like if you press, uh, I forgot what buttons they are on the keypad, but you can turn your um, control arrow or something like that. And you can turn your uh, desktop upside down and things like that on your monitor. Every everybody's monitors were like that, and I was like, well, I didn't do it. And so she finally she she believed me, and the girl that I was with. She's like, yeah, he didn't make it past that door. That door slammed shut. I saw the door shut. Um, about a week, about two weeks later, they had me, they needed a uh, counselor to stay the night in the girls' dorm. And so I had to go in, like, after the girls had gone to bed so I could go into my room and lay down. And uh, the lady that was working midnights there, I told her, I said, wake me up about six in the morning so I can get up before the girls get up and I can get all dressed and everything and make it to the office so that they can dress and I don't have to see all that. She's like, okay. So about one o'clock, well, about two o'clock in the morning, um, I start hearing what sounds like someone taking their, like someone's beating a drum, um, sort of like, uh, like an Indian drum. And, um, it kept it kept getting louder, and the railroad tracks weren't too far from where I was staying at. And I was like, "Well, that's an awful weird noise for um, a train." <laughs> <laughs> so 
well, I look out the window. I don't see a train. I don't see anything. And, but I hear, I, I keep hearing that pounding. I go out in the hallway and I was like, do you hear that? And she goes, she goes, what do you hear? And I was like, do you hear that? And she goes, no. And I was like, okay, no problem. Well, it died down. I go back in. There's no sound. And about 3.30 in the morning, it starts up again. And I'm hearing chattering, like people talking back and forth. And I'm hearing not one drum, but I'm hearing two drums. And I go back out and I said, get over here. And she comes down to my room and she goes in and she listens. She goes to the window and she can hear it as well. And she goes, oh, that's just the Indian. And I was like, what Indian? <laughs> and supposedly that was built on, which everybody says, everybody has their beliefs on what was built on. But supposedly before it was a farm, it was an Indian burial ground. Um, so I don't know. Well, but well, I heard drums. Okay. That's all I have. It sounds like that is a great place because nobody wants to leave. That's what it sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> well, so, so back to the office getting just jacked up. They, I mean, they were really going to try to pin that on you that you just went in there. Yeah, and... because they, they they saw they saw me and her go into the. They saw me and her go in. the The director and I, we all, we we never got along, and she. Uh. She figured I was going to play a mean practical joke on her. I was known to play practical jokes on people, but I would never go in somebody's office and just rampack or, you know, go through and just throw stuff yeah. around. I would never do that. But, um, I, like I said, I thought it was the farmer. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to see you. I've seen you once. Let's, let's leave it at that. Um, but that door, I will say that, I'll say about the door, that door never did, uh, it was, um, it was like later in that afternoon before they finally got it unlocked. Um, they tried every key, the key that went into it would not fit into it when they were trying to unlock it that morning. Uh, wow. So, so, so do you, I mean, so you believe it was the farmer then and not even another spirit? Or well, are you hoping I forgot to mention this. I found out that it was uh, there were state police barracks, and I was told that there was a state uh, a state policeman that haunted that area, um, the administration building. So I don't know if it was a state policeman or if it was the farmer, one of the two. But I've heard that they saw both uh, the farmers being known to frequent the entire campus and then the state trooper stays in that administration building only. So, so that ever, so, so something like that had never happened to that lady before, you know, or, uh, not, not to the particular office, mainly all the activity mainly stayed downstairs is what I was told. Uh, from what I heard, that was the first time, it had ever happened upstairs. So I don't know if they saw me, the who, whichever ghost was up there and I was coming up, they didn't want me up there and they slammed the door and decided to play a prank on me, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I I, I guess guess ghosts have a sense of humor at some point. Well, wouldn't you have to, to stick around some of those places for, for, yeah, you'd have to. 
I mean, the Ozark Howler always makes that point. Look, if I'm a ghost, I'm not sticking around. I'm not sticking around where I worked. I'm going to the beach. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going going to Hawaii and hanging out there. You know. I don't. I just don't know how. You know, I don't know how you have the nerve, especially after the first thing. You know, you see somebody behind you. I just don't know how you have the nerve to spend the night in the place. Night after night, knowing that you could, uh, I, I don't know, I couldn't do it. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Now, uh, a couple of, let's see, a couple of years la- later, um, somebody had asked me um, if I would uh, help run a, uh, be a head administrator for a local trade school around town. And I was like, yeah, I got, I got some time on my hands. I can help you with that. So we moved. Um, things were okay at the first location we were at. And classes started growing. So we moved over to a, um, and I needed a break from group homes and things like that. So well, I don't I know like, why. Yeah, I got some time. <laughs> yeah, I got, I, got, I got some time on my hands. I'll help you out. So, um, I was mainly there to help write grants and things like that for him. And when, um, he fell ill and, um, so I had to take on more responsibilities within the school as far as the administration. So I, um, I got us a great deal at a new location. It was an old post office slash old judge quarters or the, oh, uh, old, uh, courtroom. And, um, so kind of give a kind of layout of this place. It sits right in the middle of this town and right next door is the police station and right around the corner is the fire station and across the streets, the bank. And it's a big granite building. And the downstairs was the post office while the upstairs was the, uh, was the courthouse. And so when we moved in and everything, my office was, I found out later, was the old jail or the old holding cells before they went to court. And that, so when you came up the stairs or the elevator, when you came up, you had a choice to go left or right. And if you went right, you took about a few steps. And uh, if you came up the stairs, you came right up and you could either go left and take the elevator and go on into the judge's chambers, which had its own bathroom. And then if you took a right, you went into my office, and if you went down the hall, those were our classrooms on the right. On the left was the courthouse, or the courtroom. And we were told not to go in the courtroom for any reason. I was like, okay, no problem. So first, first week or so, everything was fine, and... I would work late at night finishing up because uh, I ended up having to teach one or two classes so uh, on the night classes, and I would stay late finishing up my admin work. And um, I would hear things, but I was like, well, I, I'd try to say, well, it's the railroad tracks across the street or it was the, somebody at the police station because I always cracked my window. And, 
I remember one morning I, I went up there. I left my office. I went over to the, the other bathroom was occupied. So I was, I was like, well, there's one in the classroom. In the back of the classroom, there's, which is the old judge's chamber. And I was like, I'll just go into that one. So there was nobody in the classroom, and I walk into the, as I'm walking into the classroom, going towards the bathroom in the very back, the door was shut, and as I open the door to the bathroom, I hear a voice that says, you don't belong here. And I was like, well, that's a weird way to tell me not to come in the bathroom. I was like, okay. So I walk. I didn't see the way my desk said, I didn't see anybody walk back there and I couldn't see anybody back there. So I went back to my desk and I was like, well, I'll just wait till the other bathroom's unoccupied. Well, I didn't hear anybody come out of either bathroom. So I went back and to the judges' chambers, classroom area, went back to that door and I hear, I hear a voice plain as day says, I told you, you don't belong here. Get out. And I said, yes, sir. And I walked back, went to my office, shut the door. Um, so later in the day, um, the guy that ran the school, he came up to visit. And I said, I said, go in the judge's chambers, go to the bathroom, see if uh, anybody tells you to get out. And he walks over, opens the door, goes right in. Nothing. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, <laughs> so later that, <laughs> so later that night, we're having, I decided, uh, I'm feeling kind of weary about the place now. And I'm thinking. And you got to go to the bathroom. I mean, that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I ended, up, I ended up going across the street to the bank and using theirs. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> excuse me, we went to, uh, the night class came in and, uh, we were going over some, uh, I guess it was a test prep or something. And I was like, well, don't you y'all just come into my office? I got to get this work done. We'll do everything. I'll, I'll multitask. And so, um, about, I don't know, uh, about an hour into it, I asked them, I said, will you shut that door? And they're like, yeah, sure. So they shut the, they shut the door to my office, and we're sitting there talking, and I knew there were some people walking up and down the hallway. And um, all of a sudden, all the lights go out. But they're only in my office. No, All the other lights are on. So I call maintenance. They go down. They look. There's nothing wrong with the breaker. I was like, well, my office is dark. So they change light bulbs. Nothing happens. Uh, they change out fuses. And then nothing happens. And then about 30 minutes later, lights come back on. No problem. So I marked it up as old building weird wiring. Well, I watched maintenance leave i watched um the first class leave the second class came in and there was nobody in the um there was nobody else in the building and this is a i think it's a three it might be a four-story building 
I think it's three though. But um, I remember I had him shut the door, and this guy that was sitting next to the door, he goes, "Do you hear that?" And I was like, "What?" And he op- he he doesn't open the door, but we all get real quiet, and you hear people talking back and forth and walking up and down the hallway. And I said, open the door. He goes, oh, I don't want to. I said, open the door. So I went up and opened the door. There's nobody there. Then all the stories started coming out. Uh, one girl that was in the class, she told me that on her way up the stairs, she saw a man walking out of one of our classrooms into the courtroom wearing like a like an outfit from the 1940s. And it's around Halloween, and I'm like, okay. I said, what's wrong with that? He's going to, they're probably having a party over there. And she says, no. Said, he walked into the courtroom. And I was like, okay. And she goes, the doors are locked. He walked through. I was like, (laughs) okay. Yes. Um, Another one told me that she saw the same guy, same description do the same thing, but when he got in the middle of the hallway, he looked at her and tapped his hat to her and then walked through into the courtroom. So, like, he acknowledged um, He acknowledged her. Like, yeah. So like, the first one could just be a residual person going, right. oh, boy, okay. So, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little weirded out now. So... <laughs> Um, there was a guy that worked for a company that did the third floor and he stayed late at night too. Um, on, he usually came in on Friday. He worked, I forgot where he worked at. Like during the week, he went out in the field. They were like some type of mining company. And, um, he was, uh, he was like, a. I think he was some type of geologist or something for him, but. On Friday and Saturday nights, he worked late, so when I knew he was there, I would go and work, and we had an intercom system that he and I could talk back and forth on, and one night, it was a Saturday night, and there was nobody in there but me and him, and the elevator comes up to my floor, it dings, I hear the elevator doors open, I hear people talking on the elevator, but there's nobody coming off on my floor. And then the door shuts and it goes up to the third floor. And I said, I got on the intercom. I said, Hey, are you uh, expecting anybody? He goes, No. And I said, Well, I heard a lot of chatter on that elevator. Well, he goes, Elevator door, it opens, but there's no one there. And he doesn't hear the chatter. And I was like, Okay, it's my imagination then. Well, then, um, I'm sitting there, and I had my door open, which is probably the stupidest thing. I probably should have kept it shut. But um, about 20 minutes later, I'm sitting there. I'm hearing chatter again, and people walking up and down the hallway. And um, all of a sudden, I I mean, my back is to my door. I'm right in front of my computer. And the door just slams shut. Uh, I, I, I jump out of my chair and I'm looking at like, what in the world? Um, 
Needless to say, that night I got so scared that I called the uh, the police next door to see if they'd give me an escort out of the building. And that wasn't the first time I called them. That was probably uh, well, that was the first time I called them. wasn't the last time I called them, I should say. Uh, there were many nights where I'd either hear people talking, doors slamming. One night I um, I had one of those little um, memo recorders. And uh, our, uh, I think there are many tape recorders, what they're called back then. And I put it on a um, auto record, so it only record on voice activity. And I took it into the uh, the courtroom, the room I'm not supposed to be in. And I put it right up on the uh, uh, right where the judge would sit, and I just put it there and left it alone. And we went home for the night. The next day when I got to work, I went up to it and I saw my recorder there and I opened it up and or I picked it up and I rewinded it and it kept rewinding. And I thought, good Lord. <laughs> it picked up um, it picked up a sound that sounded like someone taking a gavel and slamming it on the on the wood. There comes uh, the judge. That's the judge. Yeah, and I heard one. I heard and later on, you hear the gavel again, and you, you faintly hear. On, I wish I still had the tape. You faintly hear a man's voice saying, "We have visitors," and I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> uh, later on, you hear what sounds like a woman uh, screaming, um, and then you hear a lot of chitter chatter, and then you hear. Um, the gap sound like the gap you hear that a lot more than you hear anything but yeah the the one that said well i think we have visitors that kind of that kind of spooked me there was a girl in the day classroom uh the day the day class we were um the teacher was in there and they were doing some quiet they were going over something in that that one classroom and I went in to just observe, and I was sitting there, and I and I had the the bathroom door open because it had a uh, it had a fan vent in there, and I was blowing it trying to cool the room down. And this one girl, she'd look over, and she's like, she'd look at me, and she'd look back over to that door, and she'd walk over, and she'd shut the door. And it'd get hot, and I'd go back, and I'd open it. And we went back and forth about four or five times. And so I told the teacher to take a break, and I said, listen. I was like, it's burning up in here. I said, uh, we need to keep that door open. And she goes, well, I can't. I don't want that door open because the guy in there keeps smiling at me, and he uh, he scares me. <laughs> and... uh I said, uh, I said, what do you mean he scares you? And I said, and then I'm going to think, and I was like, what do you mean there's a guy in there? So I go in there and look, and I don't see, um, I don't see. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no guy in here. And she describes him from foot, head to foot, and what he's wearing and everything. And I'm like, uh oh, because the description she's given is another description I'd heard before. 
And so I said, well, what's his name? And she goes, she said the name, like his regular name. And I was like, well, that don't make any sense. So downstairs, there was another office. There was a realty office. And I went and asked one of the people down there. I said, have you ever heard this name? And one of the people working there goes, yeah, that's the old judge. He he was judge here from 19-whatever to 19-something else. I was like, really? I said, got a picture of him? Guy shows me a picture. I take. I said, let me borrow this for a second. I go back upstairs. I show the girl, and she goes, that's him. And I was like, oh, man, not again. <laughs> 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 so so what so let me ask you this what is at this point in your career what's worse being at that place and being there at night and having that stuff happen or being in this school type setting and having all this ha- stuff happen during the day during the night and multiple people seeing it like what's what's the worse school setting, the, the, the school setting was the worst at this point um, the things I saw at the school, the things I witnessed as far as the door slamming, um, elevators opening, the, the tape recordings, um, acknowledgement that we were there, um, that stuff, that, uh, really, um, that really unnerved me because I, and I'm, I'm the type I would. Back then, I was the type that I would work late at night and sleep in a little bit during the day. And I'd like, especially Saturday nights, was my favorite time to go into work because no one was in there. I could go in and get my work uninterrupted. At least I thought I could. Um, but I, uh, the one of the last things that happened before. I told my friend, I was like, either find us a new school or a new location where I'm out was, uh, there was a, there was a Halloween or not a Halloween. There was a party, some type of party going on downstairs in the post office. And that's every day. That's every day. What are you talking about? It's a party at the post office. Yeah. I mean, come on. Oh, actual real people that I saw (laughs) that I could touch. (laughs) But, uh, I was I was upstairs and I was typing away and there was kids running up the stairs and everything and I didn't mind. I'd, I'd rather have the kids up there than anybody else. And I walked. I never, I never actually saw anything. I would hear things, but never I never saw anything. And I walked out my office and. I um, I looked over to I looked to the right down towards the end of the hall, and the last door in the hallway, which was the very back door, the um, the door the door handle was shaking like someone was trying to open it. And as I was going up, and I walked up to it, and I was sitting there watching, it, and I was about to put my hand on it, and I was like, Scott. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I started walking back towards my office. And 
my door slammed shut and the judge's chamber's door shut, slammed shut. And that door behind me just flies wide open. And I go flying down the stairs. I go outside and I go straight over to the police station. I tell them exactly what happened. And as they're walking me back to the building, in fact, it's like two in the morning. I told them, I said, you go up there. I told them exactly where my keys were. I said, I am not going back in that building. And they went up there. They searched the whole place. The maintenance people came back over. They were looking all over. No one could see anything. No one could see any anything, period. And I walked. Um, they come back down with my um, laptop bag and my keys. I locked the door and I said, I'm not coming back. And I didn't. <laughs> wow. Um, boy. Yeah, that's enough to freak anybody out though, I'm telling you. Now now do you think but, the do you think the person telling you uh you're not welcome here or you're not do you think that was that judge? I think Tell so. Me. Wow. I think so because that girl she told me who was in standing in that in the um, bathroom and I heard that he did a lot of his thinking like he didn't like he would go to the bathroom and just stand there and and I from what I was told he wasn't like he wasn't supposed to be smoking in his judges chambers but he'd go into where that vent was that fan and he would sit there and smoke and think before he'd go back into the uh the courtroom and so I just, uh, you know, I, I do, I honestly believe that was him. Um, I always thought, I, everybody I talked to, they said he was a nice guy and everything, but you know, uh, evidently he had, he, if he was a nice guy, he was having a, he was having a, like I said, if a ghost has a sense of humor, he was having a good one on me really quick. Um, <laughs> but maybe he didn't know. I, I often wonder if, like, in a situation like that, if to them it's just like, you know, flashes of what's real life for them. Like, he's in the bathroom right. and you're trying to get in, and it's like, hey, yeah. you're not, not like he's trying to scare somebody. It's just like he's in the bathroom and you're trying to come in and he's telling you. But you would, think, you would think he would say, he's like, hey, I'm in here. Give me a moment. Instead of saying you don't belong here, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh my god! Oh, I tell you what, I've after these after these two instances, I'm beginning to think it's you, not the places. But go ahead. Say <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's like maybe, a magnet. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I hope. I hope not. Um, so I went back. I started working back. Uh, I, was, I was going back and forth between two uh, companies that did group homes, one for brain injuries and the other one for mental and developmental disabilities. And um, this one, it was uh, for the brain injuries. Uh, there was this one particular house. And, in fact, from one of the stories I'd always heard, and I always listened to them. I mean, they were nice stories. They uh, told me about a little, a ghost of a little girl in this one apartment, uh, probably not even a tenth of a mile from this house that uh, 
we had, and we were in those type of businesses. It's very common that supervisors and directors will have to work the floors and everything, and work midnights because you're understaffed. So one night I was working a midnight, and there was a um, uh, one of the clients. He he had this big. I mean, we're talking huge master bedroom is where he stayed at, and I noticed on two or three occasions when I worked midnights, I'd go check on him every thirty minutes or so. I'd just peep open the door and. Half the time, he was half awake, and he'd say, get them damn kids out of here. <laughs> I'm like, well, what kids are you talking about? He said, them kids, and he'd point, and I'd look, and I didn't see anything. And so one thing led to another, and one night, it was about 2, 3 in the morning. It was nice and warm outside. It was like 60, 60 65 degrees. It was uh, spring going into summer and I remember it getting cold and I mean when I mean cold so cold that I could see my breath coming out and so I go over and I look at the thermostat and the thermostat reads like it's reading like the thermostat I think it read like something like 48 or 50 and I was like good gracious so I turned the heat on well, it never helped. It was just cold. I mean, we, we, man, the other staff member were putting blankets over top of us trying to stay warm. And I'd get up and I'd walk around the house trying to, and I'd go outside just to get warm. And I come back and it's just freezing. And so I, uh, the next morning I called uh, maintenance, told them, I said, y'all need to check that air conditioner. I said, it was cold as could be. Well, he checked it and everything. He said, nothing's wrong with it. So I was like, well, I'm going to volunteer to work again tonight. So I went in that night and it started getting cold again. And I go in and he's telling these kids to get out, quit bothering him and everything. And um, I was like, well, they, I was like, uh, Donnie's sitting there thinking that there's kids playing around. I said, he's. He must be seeing things. And the guy that I was working with that night, he's like, you do know there's a uh, there's a cemetery right up the hill, like 600 yards from here behind the house. And I was like, no. And he said, remember, there used to be an a orphanage up there. And I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, uh, he said, well, there's a cemetery up there and there's kids buried in there. And I was like, okay so he said well those little kids they come down and they bother him they, they like to play right around that room <laughs> I was like okay so the next morning we got everybody ready and um, all three guys they were um, they had their, two of them were in wheelchairs we got them ready for breakfast and everything and as they were going off to their day programs or thing, I had a staff meeting with three other, uh, four other staff members. And we were standing in a circle in the living room area. And we're sitting there talking. And I started looking and paying attention to everybody as we're talking. And I see shirts being tugged, like they're being tugged from the uh, 
from the back and it was like guy in front of me directly in front of me his shirt gets tugged and then the one to his left gets tugged and the next one and it went right around and when it came to me i felt mine get tugged and i was like what in the world and they're like oh that's one of the kids and i was like what and um but that's all i experienced there was just the tugging and the and the freezing cold and the other guys complaining about that but the other the other group home uh, over in west virginia when i was working over there um this was uh i i just hired this uh this one girl to work um to work at this one group home and uh i asked her i said um I said, do you have a problem working midnights? And she goes, well, I'm, she goes, I'm kind of scared working midnights. I've heard stories about how haunted this place is. And I'm like, trust me, this place is not haunted. And she goes, would you lie to me? And I said, I said, well, yeah, I probably would lie to you, but I'm telling you right now, there, it is not haunted. I have not seen a ghost in this entire building. And she's like, okay. And I said, I'll tell you what. I'll check on you every two hours and I'll make sure that there's two other staff members here that night. And so that if anything does happen, there's two big guys that'll be working and they'll make sure that you're safe. She's like, okay. So I got to thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I should just scare her. Just get it out of her system. So, uh, what a guy what, uh, what a guy yeah yeah so she she uh she shows up and i'm like all right i'm gonna be around town but i'll be in earshot of you so don't worry about anything and what i had done i'd put bluetooth speakers in certain areas of the of the living area in the kitchen and had hit them and i was gonna i was gonna come back and go through the window into my office and play on bluetooth uh, on those speakers just scary sounds just to get her riled up well it backfired she didn't hear them i could hear them she never I, it was like she didn't pay any attention to them and so I opened the door and I was like, can't you hear that? And she jumps up screaming, ah, like that. And so I get her calmed down. I'm sitting down and I, I go sit down on one of these sofas over there near, near her. And I was talking with her and just, it was probably about, I want to say it was about three, four o'clock in the morning. And I look over towards the hallway and there's like as you went down the hallway there like the first door on the left has like a small hallway to the door and the man that lived there and that slept in that room he was he always wore a hooded um sweat jacket uh full zip up jacket uh, with his pajamas and he had these big hairy carry glasses <laughs> and um he had holy, a, uh, cow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And holy cow's about to come. So the the guy that lived next, that slept in the room next door to him, 
he had um, he had autism, but he also had uh, schizophrenia. So he talked to everybody and everything, and they shared a bathroom together. Well, we'll call the first guy Mark, and the other one we'll call him L. And Mark, he had um, he wasn't when he got out of bed. There was a bed alarm, so if he got out, we could hear it. We knew he was out of bed. And I looked in. I was looking at that door, and the door was halfway open. And I see what looks like Mark walking across the the path of the door straight to the bathroom with his walker. And I'm looking, and I was like, and he looks right at me. And, but I, I don't see a face or anything. I just see the outline, of, like a silhouette. And I could tell he's looking right at me. And I was like, and I'm just staring. And that girl goes, you see something? I said, I don't know. I said, probably nothing. She goes, what did you see? I said, I don't know. I'm going to go and check. So I walk into Mark's room. And Mark is laying in bed. Now, I saw him walk across and go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I go back out, and I look at my staff, and I'm like, where is Mark's walker? And they're like, well, we put it up in the closet because he's not feeling well, and he's not supposed to be walking unless we're with him. I was like, go to the closet and show me the walker. So they show me the walker, and I'm like, Okay. So I said, where's his cane? They said, it's right here. I was like, okay. I go back into that bathroom. There's nobody there. I open the door to L's room, and I'm like, hey, L, you all right? He goes, yeah, I'm fine. Um, I said, have you seen Mark? And he goes, no. I was like, okay. He said, but there's some guy that keeps walking from his room to my room and slamming my door. He said, will you tell him to quit? I said, yeah, I'll tell him. And <laughs> I go back to my office, kind of like just pounding my head against the desk, like, what in the world have I got myself into? Um, the next day, I had to go to another house to work in their office, and there were two girls working. All the residents had left and gone to um, a day program. And these two girls were doing, they were just cleaning up around the house and uh, the, the group home and uh, doing laundry. And um, I was in my office and they both came in. They said, hey, we're going to get lunch. I was like, okay. So I knew one of them left and the other one was in the kitchen area. And I went in and talked to her and asked her to make me a cup of coffee. And the next thing I do is I go to the staff bathroom. Now, the staff bathroom key, it sets up on a, um, like a cork board. And um, I go and I see the key and I went to unlock the door and I hear, don't come in. I was like, what? I said, I'll be a minute. So I go back. I was like, okay. So I put the key back up. I go into the kitchen. I said, um, didn't Brittany leave? And she said, yeah. I said, so who's in the bathroom? She goes, well, nobody. I said, is the nurse here? And she goes, 
no, I don't think so. So I walk back to my office, no nurse. I walk, I go outside, I look, there's no, nobody else's cars there. Go back to the bathroom. This time I take the key and I open the door and there's nobody there. And I was like, okay, um, this ain't working out good for me. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, I told him, I said, well, I'm going home. So I went home, took the day off, took the next day off. So it's like coming around Halloween again, this area. And um, this little area where this one group home is, the community it's in, around Halloween, they have ghosts. Uh, they have a Civil War reactment, and they have ghost tours going around. And um, so... I was working late and I had the midnight crew came in and it's about 1130 and the power goes off. And since we have, um, in the building, we have, um, what do you call them? Fire extinguishers, not the extinguishers, but the sprinkler system in the building. We have like 30 minutes. Uh, we have 30 minutes of free time or, or leeway. And then after 30 minutes, we have to start making phone calls to other directors and uh, filling out incident reports and getting these residents to a hotel to, so that the um, people that take care of the sprinkler systems can go in and make sure everything's okay because of no power. So at like the 28th minute power comes back on. I'm like, okay, cool. Next thing I know, power goes off again. And it lasts for about 28 minutes and power comes back on. So I will go ahead and I call the directors and I tell them we need to move these people. For some reason, power's going off, power's come back on, stuff like that. And this one old man sits <laughs> there as we're walking out and getting getting him up into the van, he goes, he goes, if that boy will quit playing with the power, we'd be all right. I said, what do you mean, old boy? And he goes, well, that boy in there, he just keeps doing it. He says he's going to, and he's going to cause uh, havoc with everybody. And he's laughing about it every time it happens. And, I said, well, who is he? And he gave me a name. And um, I walked around the whole building. I didn't see anybody. I see um, the power company. They're going over and they're working on these transformers. And I was like, okay, we're, uh, this explains a lot. So I'm walking at, towards the, um, the guys working on the transformer. And here we are, it's like 1.30 in the morning now, and I see a guy dressed like a Confederate soldier coming right at me. <laughs> and I didn't know whether to run, <laughs> put my hands up or what. <laughs> and when he comes up and starts talking to me, I take my finger and I push his shoulder, and he goes, what are you doing that for? I said, I just want to make sure you're real. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And so 
goes off, and 20 minutes, 28 minutes later, it pops back on, and it goes off, and he goes, he goes, yeah, the Transformers and everything. I was like, okay, okay, we're good. So I get them to their hotels and everything, get them taken care of, get my staff taken care of, and I go to uh, I go back to that building, and it's me and the maintenance guy, and. We are back in the area where the um, the control systems for the sprinklers and everything. At. We have to sit there and watch this thing until the company that takes care of it comes by. And we're just sitting there, and all of a sudden we see what looks like a, uh, I wouldn't say a young kid, but like a teenager. Um, it looked like a teenage kid standing in the kitchen window looking right at us. And I looked at him, and I said, well, who do you think that is? And he goes, I have no clue. So we both walked into the into the building. And he's not in the kitchen, so we go through every room in the house. There is nobody in there. We go back out, and we sit back down, and we're talking about it. And we look up. There he is again, looking right at us, smiling. And... I looked at her, I said, you know what? Let him let him smile. I said, I'm not going back in. I'm not um I'm, I'm too tired for this. <laughs> and um it happened uh, it lasted probably about thirty seconds or so and we just kinda looked at one another, we looked back and he's gone. And that was the last time we saw him that night. Um, it was the last time I saw him, period, because I told him I wasn't going to work that house anymore, and I went, uh, I took over control of two other houses instead, um, but uh, I heard from other people that what they had seen and everything, so evidently he still haunts that place. Um, and I, then... Uh, <laughs> I I don't, I don't know how you do it. I gotta be honest. I mean, do you feel like everywhere you go, or is it just these places that you go to work? That uh... I think it's the places I work at. Unfortunately, I mean, well, I don't know. Uh, there's <laughs> that's there's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that didn't seem very. You weren't very committed. Yeah, that's like not very that, convincing. We were playing Texas Hold'em. I'm all in on that. I'm like, okay, I'm calling you. There's a story coming, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> There's a... Okay, let's see. All right, I'll, I'll tell you this one real quick. Um my, I won't give too much of the location because I don't want people, to, even if there's people around where I live, trying to find this place because they can get a lot, they can get hurt and they can get a lot of trouble if they show up there. But kind of, kind of give you an idea. My my family, uh, on my mom's side of the family, there was a, it was a big family, and at one time they owned a lot of land in this one county in Kentucky. And not really sure how I was related to this one particular family, but uh, or a set of people. But uh, 
I think it was like my grandfather or my it's either my grandfather or my great grandfather's first cousin this happened to. But basically, the land the way the land sets is right across right. Let's see how you put it. Where the house set, there was a gravel road that went right by the house, and there was a the the road forks and if you take the right fork it takes you up to an old family cemetery and i've been up there many a times it's spooky as can be um the last person that was buried there was back in i think 84 or 85 uh, i think it was 84 83 or 84 was the last time someone was buried up there and Every now and then we take turns going up there to mow the the, the family cemetery and everything. And there, there's some pretty there's there's only uh, I think there's five graves up five or six graves in the main cemetery. Now there's what it was was my third great grandfather. He's the one that put this um, uh, cemetery plot up there, and he owned the entire hillside. So. If you, he was the type of guy that if you're, if you, somebody in your family passed away and you didn't have the money to pay a certain cemetery to, to bury your loved one, he would allow you, uh, he would tell you where you could bury him, but he'd allow you to bury him somewhere on the hillside. And you can, and today you can walk through that, that wooded area and you can see um you can not only see you probably stumble upon um headstones here and there and I'm, when i talk headstones they're probably probably only about a foot and a half high they're just enough to mark that there's a grave there and um so but if you make a left if you go straight and don't take the right fork and you can straight it goes into a, a pay lake and supposedly, um, one of the cousins, she was, um, not right up in the head or from what I, I've heard various stories, sort of like the college story. I've heard various stories through the years from different family members, but basically what happened was one night she, um, she walked to that, uh, to that lake in an all white gown and walked right into the lake and drowned herself. Said so she just kept walking, walking, walking. She couldn't swim and walked to, got so deep that, and I think my grandfather said that it was like real thick mud at the bottom. So it just grabbed a hold of her and she couldn't, couldn't fight her way or anything. Well, there's stories that, people have gone up there to fish and on full lit moon night, they see a woman walking right up and walking right into the lake. And, uh, <laughs> I've never seen it. I've, like I said, I've been up there. I've heard a lot of crazy stuff. Um, howling, which I've I always, my, if you were with my dad or, my grandparents they'd say, Oh, that's a fox or that's a that's a coyote or something like that. But 
I've heard coyotes and foxes, and I haven't heard anything howl like that before. Um, and you, you have the feeling of being watched while you're up there sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. But um, I never carry a gun when I'm up there, but uh, I do carry a, a Sears Roebuck crowbar. <laughs> um, so but I, at least I get a good swing in. But, yeah, that whole area there's um there's a lot of little legends and everything but that one right there just always spooked me because when you get up to right about where that where that fork is i I always make a real hard right to go up towards the cemetery i don't i don't i think i've only been to that lake one time and it was just i drove up to see what the lake looked like i'd seen it on maps i just wanted to see what it looked like that was it i was like i'm done um and then, uh, I think, oh, okay. So I got two more recent stories and then I guess the, uh, the big one. So, um, this one happened with my daughter. She was, um, she was about two at the time and she was, Kind of give you a little back history. My my wife's let's see, my wife's mom and dad had a child before she was born, and he died before she was born, and he died in a house fire, and he was like, I want to say three years old. It was like they were playing in the garage, and there was a big fire, and him and his uh, his first cousin they both perished in the fire. A uh, real sad story um, from what I, the details I've heard about it. But um, one, my two-year-old, she was playing. Uh, I have uh, two older children and then her. And um, she was in her room playing and um, she had the closet door open and we were in the living room and you could hear singing and uh, clanging things together. And next thing I hear about 20 minutes into that, I hear the, I hear her screaming real loud and yelling for mommy and daddy. We run in there and she's bawling her eyes out and she keeps pointing at the closet and she's like, she goes, tell him I don't want to play. Tell him I don't want to play. <laughs> I look at him, I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, tell him I don't want to play. So I picked her up and I took her into the living room. And I, and it, took, it, it took us about an hour to get her calmed down. And I said, uh, I said, well, girl, I said, what's, why, why are you uh, screaming? Uh, who, who don't you want to play with? And she goes, that boy, he's got black things all over his face and his, and, and his arms. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, there was a boy in my, in my, um, I went into, she went on to basically tell you that she was going into the closet to get something. And the little boy was wanting to, uh, he, he asked the player pointed at a toy and when she saw him, it scared her. Well, my wife, we were trying to figure out who the little boy was. And so 
couple days later, everything calmed down, but she wasn't going to room. Uh, ended up sleeping with me and my wife for the next two, basically two years. <laughs> and um, so um, it's been a couple years later, and she was going through some family photos, and my wife was showing pictures of her older brother that she never met. And my daughter looked and looked at the boy and said, that's him. And we're like, what do you mean that's him? She goes, that's the boy that scared me in my um, <laughs> closet. And I mean, even today, chills go up my spine talking, uh, thinking about that. Um, and then my wife, my wife has two, had two younger brothers. And I say had because the youngest one passed a couple of years ago of um, brain cancer and on our way, right when he had found out he had the brain cancer and right before he had to have his first surgery, my wife and um, her old, uh, our oldest daughter and um, the, uh, and our oldest daughter's friend, they wanted to go down and visit. And because of our work schedules and vacations and everything, we really couldn't take a full week off and we couldn't really fly down and fly back. And we had to go to Naples, Florida. So I told him, I was like, well, as soon as you get off work, we're heading down there. I'll leave on a Friday, 17 to 20 hour. It's about a 20 hour drive straight down. I said, I'll drive you all down. I'll get his hotel room. I'll stay. I'll sleep Saturday night, basically all day Saturday and Saturday night. And then early Sunday morning, we're driving back. And um, so we get to we get to Virginia, and I'm calling a friend of mine. He's like, uh, "Can you pick me up?" He lives in Athens. He said, "Can you pick me up some beer?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. I'll pick you up some." So I picked him up this beer that he likes out of Virginia. We we get to Athens and I drop it off to him and we get back in. The reason we were doing all this back and forth was 75 was, there was a lot of road construction on the North end between Kentucky and Tennessee. And, um, what was it? 95 had a lot of road construction. So I figured I'd take 26 down so far and then kind of shoot across to Macon, Georgia and, and bypass Atlanta and all that. So I can, yeah, I'll stop and give you that. So at about two in the morning, I'm dropping this beer off at uh, my friend's um, front porch in Georgia and in Athens, Georgia. And we get in, um, we'll get back in the car, start heading. And the next town south is Watkinsville. Probably about five minutes before you get to Watkinsville, we're going up this hill it's two lane road and in the middle of the lane coming opposing of us is this black man with a beard uh, a white shirt thrown over his shoulder what looked like tan pants kind of remind me of corduroy pants and he had a tobacco stick uh, walking with and I had my bright lights on, and when I came up, it was like out of the blue, here he is. And my lights hitting, 
His eyes don't squint. He doesn't acknowledge us whatsoever, and he just walks along. And we all just kind of looked at one another like, wow, that was weird. We get on the other side of Hop- um, Hopkinsville. We get on the other side of Watkinsville, and we're about five minutes away past Watkinsville on the same road, going up a hill, and there's the same guy walking right towards us. This time, I tapped my brake as, after we passed him, I tapped my brake, so my brake lights illuminate on him, and he's not there. (laughs) What did I see? Did you, I (laughs) hope you didn't stop and get out the check. Oh, heck no. No, no. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing is, I got to think it's you. Because that's so random out in the middle. I mean, how do you just get lucky to go down the road where there's a ghost? And and just, I, I, I don't know. I hope it's, it might be. I hope it's not. But it might be. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.